Over the years, I've had the privilege, I'll use that word, I've had the privilege of visiting three former Nazi concentration camps in Germany. Uh, The first, as a university student, I visited Sachsenhausen, just to the north of Berlin. Then in the last couple of years, Claire and I have had the chance to visit Buchenwald uh, and a smaller concentration camp in the, the Harz Mountains region of Germany. If you've ever been in one of these places, you'll know that they are an incredible place to visit. Uh, There's no experience that could prepare you for a a visit to one of these places. They are heavy with a tangible sense of evil. And that's, you know, 65 years after they, they were closed in most cases. Quite often nowadays they have information centers uh, with exhibitions of reports and photographs detailing the awful conditions uh, that the the prisoners there endured. On each of the occasions where I've visited one of these places, I've come away with a a massive burden of of pity, Uh, just a pity for the prisoners who were so abused and so ill-treated. And one thing comes through very strongly in all these exhibitions when we we learn a little of what happened in these places and and the behavior of the guards over and against the prisoners. The prison guards made it their, their goal to shame and humiliate their prisoners. They often shaved their heads. They made them wear terrible uniforms. They often used nakedness and brutality and other forms of of ritual humiliation. When you see the photographs and you read the reports, you can't help but feel a massive sense of pity for anyone who, who ever ended up in a place like this. When we read the accounts of Jesus' final hours, a similar sense of pity would fall on anyone who reads it with their eyes open and with an open mind. Jesus had been betrayed by one of his closest friends. He'd been taken in the dark without trial. Then he was denied by another closer friend. We've seen how these Roman soldiers beat him to within an inch of of his life. Again, these, like the Nazi guards, were experts in ritual humiliation. They mocked this prisoner, this man who claimed to be a king. Look, fellas, if he's really a king, he's going to need a robe. Something to cover that bloody mess on his back. Here, wear this, your honor. And what's this? We can't have this, a king without a crown. Here, Jesus, we'll make you one. Uh, we'll, we'll use this, this thorn bush. Oh, it doesn't really fit you very well. Here, let, let me help you. Let me press it on a good deal tighter to make sure it doesn't slip off. We don't want a king without a crown. There you go. Now you've got your robe. You've got your crown. You're starting to look the part, Jesus. Now you're looking more like a king. It wasn't just the soldiers. The ridicule for Jesus continued right to the end. Luke tells us 
that even as he was crucified, there were people standing at the foot of the cross shouting abuse at him. He saved others. Let him save himself if he's the Christ, the chosen one. The soldiers kept on mocking him. They put a sign above his head. This is the king of the Jews. Even one of the criminals who hung there beside him hurled insults at him. Are you the Christ? Well then save yourself. No neutral bystander on that day could have failed to see what was going on here. This was the end of the road for Jesus of Nazareth. He'd been humiliated and shamed and finally killed. Friends, if we were there that first Good Friday, I think pity is a reaction, probably the first and foremost reaction that we would have to the events of that day. But the people who were bystanders that day didn't primarily look on Jesus and pity him. They had a different reaction to what was going on. They looked at this broken man hanging from this cross And they would all have agreed that he was cursed. He'd been crucified for goodness sake. There's no greater humiliation in the Roman mind than crucifixion. Cicero, the Roman philosopher, said that the idea of the cross should never come near the bodies of Roman citizens. It should never pass through their thoughts, their eyes, or their ears. For Romans, crucifixion was the cruelest form of capital punishment. It was reserved only for murderers, uh, for slave revolts, and for other terrible crimes in the colonies. Roman citizens were never crucified. Uh, They would have been beheaded instead. So any Roman citizen watching on that day would have looked at Jesus on the cross and would have said, He is Any Jewish bystander would have come to the same conclusion. Because the Jews, they shared their Roman revulsion for crucifixion. They didn't crucify people either. Whenever they carried out their own executions under their own authority, they did it by stoning. As far back as Moses, the Jews had agreed, Cursed is anyone who is hung on a tree. So for those who who observed on that first Good Friday, who saw Jesus hanging on that tree, they all agreed, Jews and Roman alike, the Nazarene is cursed. Friends, the astonishing verdict of God's word is that God saw it that way too. God looked on Jesus Christ. And saw him cursed. In Galatians chapter 4 verse 13. Paul tells us. That Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. By becoming a curse for us. They're astonishing words. They're they're among those words in the Bible that we read. And and we just let them pass us by. But, But you see what Paul's saying here. He says that Jesus. God among us is cursed. Jesus, the Son of God, 
became a curse for us. You see, the truth is, friends, that we are the cursed ones. We are the ones who live under God's curse. That, that death that Jesus died, that, that death of a rebel against the empire is exactly the death that you and I deserve. We are rebels. Not against Rome, but against a holy and righteous God who loves us and created us, who made us to know him and to know his love, but we turned our backs on him. We chose to live our own way without regard to him and his law and his love. We are rebels. We deserve that death that Jesus died on that Good Friday. The cross is like a mirror for us this evening. And this evening, if we dare, we're called to stand before it and see ourselves in the crucified Jesus. We see the full horror of our sin. We see the full weight of the consequences of our sin. We're sinners before a holy God and we are cursed. But the wonderful news of the Christian gospel is that Jesus Christ comes and he steps into our place. Where we are cursed, he takes the curse. Where we deserve death, he dies in our place. He becomes a curse for us. Friends, what kind of a God is this? I I imagined all along that Jesus endured some physical pain. That he endured some loss. But over years I'm beginning to see more and more what Jesus really endured. And this year it struck me the shame that Jesus Christ endured. Here he is, the holy and perfect one. The one who has all the power in the world. And he allows himself to be mocked from start to finish, up and down. He endures that shame for us. He takes the curse that we deserve. Jesus said himself that he'd come to give his life a ransom for many. Friends, we've gathered here this evening to think on the death of Jesus Christ. And surely by now the the meaning of Jesus' terrible death is becoming clear. We're sinful people. And left to our own devices, we live under God's curse. We must give up all hope of ever being right with God on our own terms. If we continue down that road, we continue to be cursed. We live this life cursed and we will die still under God's curse. But instead this evening we must come. We must come humbly to the cross. 
The place where Jesus showed the heartbreaking extent of his love for us. He became a curse for us. He was willing that God's judgment should fall not on us, but on him. Friends, come and and let us cast ourselves this evening entirely on the mercy of God. Then and only then can we know his forgiveness. Can we be released from this curse? Can we be removed from that place of shame? Come this evening to the cross of Jesus. Let us pray. Father God, we go through so much of our lives with quite a healthy sense of our own goodness and righteousness often. We look around and we see people who are worse than us. We compare ourselves to them and we say we're doing all right. Father God, would you Strip us of all our pride this evening. Show us in the cross of Jesus Christ the terrible nature of our sin. The full consequences and and punishment that must fall on our sin. Lord, show us these things and let them know that they are for us. But then, Lord, we pray that you would let us see the Savior. Let us see Jesus. Let us see that he came because he loved us. That he endured all that that brutality because he loved us. That he took all of that mocking from the Romans and the Jews alike because he loved us. That he gave his final breath because he loved us. Father God, let us know this evening that despite our terrible sinfulness and the awful curse that hangs over us, let us know that there is something much, much greater than all of these. And that is your grace, your mercy, and your love extended to us in Jesus. Father God, let us, each one of us, Receive your love and your grace in the Savior, your Son and our Lord. Amen.